Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. Broncos defeat the Storm 26-0. What an incredible performance by the Broncos. You know, all the questions about the youth and will they crumble in a finals game and the hoodoo with the Storm. You know, we, we discussed the fact that I felt the youth was on their side. I actually felt that they hadn't been scarred by the Storm. They didn't go through the dark period against the Storm. They're getting dominated by Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater. And so heading into this game... I knew they'd be up for it. I knew they'd be up for it. And they absolutely delivered. Now, did I think they'd win 26-0? The only way I thought they'd win 26-0 is if they played the best they can play. What I'm, I guess, surprised at is I actually think they've still got a little bit more in them, especially in that first half with some of their um, decisions at the end of the sets when they were building pressure. But an absolutely incredible performance by the Broncos and just showing that they're... I mean, I've spoken about it a few times, but Cam Smith always has said, you usually play your finals footy the way you played your season. It's usually the way it is. And before the game last week, we spoke about, look, if you compare these two clubs' seasons, Broncos have been a substantially better side. And look, I understand that they went down to Melbourne, they lost to the Storm earlier in the year. Um, there was a very bizarre game. I think there were two sin bins, whatever. But when you just look at their seasons as a whole, Broncos have been a substantially better side. And I kind of felt like they delivered that on fr- uh, on Friday. Yeah, I think uh, shout out to you two. You two were very, very confident that the Brisbane Broncos, you know, finals wouldn't worry them. I, I still was concerned whether they were going to be able to do what they've done all year. And, mate, they put all my concerns to bed mm. very quickly. They <laughs> were very impressive, Brisbane. Um, I was actually sitting there watching the game thinking – if you gave me no context and you told me one of these two teams hadn't played finals footy in four years, I would have guessed the Melbourne Storm every mm. day of the week. If you told me that their entire spine, essentially, except outside of Adam Reynolds, hadn't played finals footy, I would have said it's the Melbourne Storm. Mm. They are—they uh, just got played off the park, Melbourne. Mm. This is how aggressive the forward pack were. And I, I was concerned the first 10 minutes because I'm like, please don't go half 10 minutes and then you blow your load and then you gas for the rest of the game. But it was 80 minutes of just relentless, <clears throat> relentless defence. And 
a lot of people will, will point to the attack of the Broncos, but I thought it was their defence that was incredible. Defence was amazing. Timmy, what do you think? Yeah, it, it didn't entirely surprise me, the result. Probably the zero points for the Storm. That that definitely came as a surprise with the amount of strike power they've got. But I dribble on a fair bit on this potty. But the one thing I sort of keep mentioning, particularly with the Melbourne Storm this year, is that you know if your four-pack loses uh, through the middle, there's not much that your stars out the back can do. And this was a great example of it. Despite having Hughes, Munster, Pappy, all these guns out the back, their pack was dominated. Mm. And you, you can't do anything if you don't have the momentum through the middle of the field. And... Brisbane have been consistent all season. The Melbourne Storm have been up and down, up and down. They've finished the season well, but we've had queries over their pack all season. And you mentioned, Kempi, you know, your season's a reflection of how you're going week one of finals and the Storm's pack couldn't aim up to Brisbane. And sure, it's a bit of a knock on the Storm, but it's also a compliment to how bloody good this Brisbane Broncos forward pack is. Yeah. And what I loved and I thought was really interesting, if you watch closely the Panthers and the Broncos, their first contact is substantially better than any club in the competition. If you go back and watch those games now, the Panthers and the Broncos, every time whoever they were playing, the Storm and the Warriors, the first contact, they would immediately stop them. Like it would, there would be no post-contact meters. There, it would be just boom, hit and stop. And it was interesting because I watched a little clip of Shane Webke talking to Payne Haas and tell you what did that give me goosebumps watching Shane <laughs> Webby talk to Payne Haas and Webby said um, something really simple and, and it almost sounded a bit like well obviously bro but he basically said to Payne have you spoken about how important it is of course to run through them and, and whatever but have you spoken about how important it is to stop them as soon as you hit them because that's something that we always used to speak about as a Broncos forward pack and it is a really important point that I think um, seems simple, but is really hard to execute. And I thought the Broncos did. Oh, for example, even though Nelson was probably their best forward coming off the bench, I thought the Broncos did an incredible job on their contact on Nelson and Solomona. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when he came on in the first half, he played 14 minutes in the first half. He ran for 50 metres. So I sort of thought, okay, maybe Nass can sort of get on the front foot here. But in the second half, mate, Brisbane just dominated them, didn't they? And I, I think that was, you know, the big thing that stood out for me, we'll talk about the Panthers game soon, but the Panthers and the Broncos, just the amount of pressure they put on the opposition in the first half and how they just gassed out their forward pack in the first half and it paid dividends later in the mm. game. I've got a feeling you're about to read out the same stat. No? Potentially. Completion. Okay, no. Right. no. He's got I was Jordan Rapana stats. <laughs> <laughs> just got a picture. Were you going to do metres? 3,000 metres. Were you going to do metres? We got the rage it. Uh, I was going to talk about the Melbourne Storm. I thought, I thought them going into this fixture would be going. All right, let's turn this into a Melbourne Storm, an old school grind, and make it a dogfight through the middle. Uh, we mentioned, I think, last week that if they can do that, you know, it'll allow for Munster Hughes to, to produce their magic late on. It was a pretty scrappy opening of this game. Both sides a lot of drop ball. The Storm ended up <clears> completing <throat> at sixty-seven percent. Mm which is pretty damn ordinary. Yeah. So there'd obviously been that uh, bit of rain come through early in the game and mm. prior to the game. I don't think either team's adjusted to that early on. The Broncos did make changes. They did complete at 75 by the end of the game. They made the right moves, but the Storm, oh, they're a long way from their best. They, yeah. they, they were disappointing in this one. So in regards to like that first contact, so in the forward pack for the Melbourne Storm, 98 metres for Kamakamitha, 44 metres for Harry Grant, 67 metres for Christian Welsh, 54 metres for Trent Lioro, 77 metres for Katoa, 95 metres for King, the only forward, and then you've got Eisenhuth, 47 metres, the only forward to break 100 metres was Nelson Asafa-Solomona with 104 metres. 
and he had 11 runs. So even Nelson Solomona averaged less than 10 metres a run against the Broncos. And he was on 50 at half time. Yeah. And he only played the first, the last 14 minutes of that half. So that entire second half, they kept him 50 metres. Which is just, it shows you how, like, even Tarek Sims come on 78 metres. Like, some of their post-contact, like, was pretty low. Like, Welsh, 24. Lioro, 14. Katoa, 27. King, 30. Um, Eisenhuth, 16. Like, that shows you that the first contact from the Broncos was unbelievable. Like, so, so spot on. And I do think that, the Storm definitely didn't play anywhere near what we know they can play. But I think a lot of it, not all of it, definitely not all of it, but I think a lot of it had to do with the Broncos just putting so much pressure on them. Like a lot of their drop balls, not a lot of them, but some of them were just pressure passes. Mm. And that's just because the line's in your face, making you make decisions you don't want to make early on. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting that whereas you compare to obviously the Broncos forwards. Uh You've got Flegler over 100 metres, uh, Billy Walters 42, Payne Haas 180, Kate Will 82, Ricky 50, Patrick Cavering 193, Heatherington 140, Palacia 153. Like chalk and cheese, really, like just completely different. Uh, but let's talk about first the Brizzy Broncos individual efforts. Um, can, can I just jump in? Just one thing about Brisbane as a team that I was thinking about the other day, and can be you, you know more than me, but I was just looking at them the other night and I don't remember them playing a wet weather game mm. quite some time. Yeah. And for them to play that game in the wet weather, huge advantage that if they do manage to get to a grand final in a few weeks' time, it is a wet weather game. Because mm. quite often down here in Sydney for grand final, you, a lot of them have been played in the rain. I was just having a look through their last eight games. It's their first, according to NRL.com, there's just a thing that says the weather. First time they've played in the wet. So yeah. for them to also be able to transition what they've been doing the last few weeks and adapt with that huge for them as well yeah huge and and when you think of the broncos you don't think grindy yep. tough wet weather you think fast track reese walsh <laughs> out the back um so it is it's good to see them be able to you know we spoke about it early in the year but like winning in different ways yeah and they've exactly. proven they can really win in different ways different environments um but yeah with the broncos uh i mean first of all incredible game now the negatives we'll go through the negatives first I do think in the first half, there were at least three to four times where they were looking for points instead of building pressure. Um, and they made that they looked a little bit panicky at the start. Not panicky in defense, but I mean panicky. They've got the storm on their try line and they're going for the big play rather than just going, you know what, boys, let's just, let's just grub her in and let's just build some pressure. And I think that's at the moment, the only thing that separates Panthers and Broncos is those three or four decisions early in the game to build pressure. And if they can sort that, then it's a 50-50 match against the Panthers. Agreed, 100% can yeah. be. First 20-odd completion wasn't great. They were pretty scrappy. But credit to them for digging themselves out and going, guys, something needs to change here. Stop yeah. being flashy. Stop going for the big play. Mm. Getting the grind, they did. Yeah, and then the points come. Mm. The points come. Um, we'll talk first about Reese Walsh. I thought this was such a mature game from Reese Walsh. I said last week that he just needs to be patient and just run the ball in the first half. Don't even think about, you know, the big plays. And there were a few times where he could have made those, you know, try to make huge plays, but he just put his head down and ran the ball. Oh, oh, oh no. Carry on. Uh, carry on, we're all good. It's not like I bought this laptop two weeks ago. <laughs> We've had a little bit of spill in the studio. What is that? Drama. Is that tea? Is that tea that you spilt on this? How do, how do MacBooks handle green tea, boys? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, 
So, Reese Walsh, I said, like, if I was going to give him advice heading into the game, it would be just run the ball in the first half because I guarantee you'll come out in the second half, later in the game, a try, a couple of try assists, they will happen. And what do you know, he comes out in the second half and the space just opened up for him. Like, it, because he had ran the ball and been quite conservative in the first half, he'd create an environment where they either had to come in on him or had to make sure they, you know, marked up on him well. Um, and what do you know, his first try... It's people coming in off angles and basically being turned in and being easy to kind of step. I thought Reese Walsh showed so much maturity in this game. I already complimented you on your call on Terrell May, and I did not enjoy that. But it was like Reese Walsh listening to the podcast last week. It, it honestly was. The way that he played his game, I was just sitting there watching it going, <laughs> he is literally just doing the hard stuff, easing his way into the, into the game. And the thing that stood out for me this year with Reese Walsh, especially in Origin and now in you know the next biggest game, of his uh, career, essentially, he just pulls the trigger at the right moment. Oh, mate. It was honestly, as soon as that set of six started where he scored, I feel like even just everyone sitting at home went, oh, this feels like a Reese Walsh moment. Yeah. This feels like the moment that he's going <clears> to <throat> get them. Um, obviously scored himself, then pulled the trigger on Jordan Ricky there. Exactly what he did in Origin as well. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. To make that decision when he gets that three-on-three three and turns into three-on-two every time because he's so quick, the speed he's going at to sum it up and go short, long, or Damien Gray himself, he gets it right like every time. Yeah, every time. Like even the decision to step back inside. Like he could have chosen to go over the top or try and make the big play, but he just goes, nut, bang, bang, thanks for coming. <clears throat> his ability to nail big moments, it's shocking how quickly he's being able to just like just nail it like how many times do we see young players come into these games and we saw it on the weekend and the big moment arrives it's a knock on it's a the pass goes over the the, the sideline mate he has nailed in such a short career he has absolutely nailed some big moments and i just love the maturity he played now again the the biggest thing with Reese, in my opinion is we know he's great we know the standard he can play at is as good as anyone in the competition. So we know if he gets into a grand final, he's good enough to be the best player on the field. But it's just about, okay, all the headlines are the Broncos are the, the real deal. They can win a premiership and Reese Walsh up in lights, superstar. And I know he's already kind of dealt with it, but this is the moment where the whole team, including Reese, just need to take a step back and be like, boys, we haven't done anything yet. It's almost as if, if we bow out after in the prelim, it's almost worse than getting beaten by the storm at home. You just need to just bring every rain everything in and don't start reading into the hype too soon. I, I think that's the biggest concern for the Broncos. Yeah, from from just a spectator, I part of me doesn't want Reese Walsh to rein it in though. I just love watching him go about his business, you know. Mm. And from a Broncos perspective, I, I get that one hundred percent. But I like I loved you could see in this game he identified that Eli Katoa was off his game. Mm. So it went at him. Yeah. Went at him, went at him, went at him. Then the moment came where he kicked deep and Eli Katoa just couldn't help himself. He goes, yeah. fuck, this is my chance to whack this kid. It's a penalty 60 metres down the field. Yeah. In a crucial Bruce Walsh moment. earned that three sets before getting under his skin. Yeah. Yeah. He played so, so well and just really mature. Just really, really mature. So, as I said, if he just keeps playing like this where he allows the game to open up to him, He'll, he'll end it with, you know, three or four <laughs> tries, four or five tries. It's, it's going to be something special. Um, who stood out for you boys for the Brisbane Broncos? Yeah, Rishi Walsh, obviously. Uh, Adam Reynolds, we sort of already touched on him, but <laughs> sorry to bring it back to it again. I, that line drop out. It's outrageous. It is just to, you know, to do a line drop out nowadays and hit it 50 metres on the full, these guys make it look so easy. Mm. To then hit it 50 metres to the sideline, in the rain and just pop it over Munster's head. Like, that was a huge moment in that game. Cam Munster forced a line drop out from 40 metres out. Like, that was a, 
complete momentum swing. That oh, was when I went, massive. okay, here we go. Munster's about to kick into gear here. Yep. Mm. It was a very, like, like that's the sort of shit that JT used to do in games. Mm. Get it 40 metres out, there'd be nothing on, he'd just drop it perfectly. And Adam Reynolds just goes, and I, I, I was talking to Matty about it this morning, and Matty said, oh, like, well, how'd you describe it about how he used to do this for South Sydney? When, he did, when he did, like, big moments in that for South, he'd always kind of hit, like, pull the trigger on him in big games. So, like, he's, he's done a few of these, not to that extent, that's the best I've ever seen. But he'd wait, he'd always wait to like the big important games to do these huge moments. So he's probably had like that, like in the back pocket for a while now. Mm. There, there was a, an example a few years ago, like uh, Reynolds' best save of 40-20s were both against the Panthers in the finals a couple of years ago. He just finds a way to pull these out in the big games. It's crazy. Mm, he's just always got an ace up his sleeve. Yeah. But that's, that's, a, the moment. that's a good playmaker, isn't it? They, yeah. you've, they'd have all these tricks up their sleeve. They'd be going, no, no, look, it achieves nothing to it in round 23 or round 15. Let's save it for finals when no one sees it coming. It's isn't it like I'll be the first to admit. Last year I was like Rabbitohs made the right call. Everyone won. Broncos won. Rabbitohs won. Lockheelis is you know playing some really good footy. They made a prelim, but then you see Reynolds come out and do this. Now you go, oh, was I wrong in thinking that they'd made the right call? Was I too early to decide whether that call was made? Because he doesn't look like he's slowing down. He doesn't look like he went into this match against a Melbourne Storm. We're talking about a, a side notoriously for taking out the big players from each side. And, you know, I, look, it's all speculation. I don't know what's going on. But you have to start wondering, like, was Renault kind of like the glue, like the unknown glue in that South roster? Was he kind of the guy that, you know, didn't get the praise? I mean, he got praise. He was liked by Rabbitohs fans. But was he less of the superstar? But was he the guy that kept the balance between all the other superstars? Because... Look at the balance he's created the Brisbane Broncos. You know, you've got Reese Walsh out the back there, very easily could get ahead of himself. You've got guys like Carrigan, Haas, both superstars, Flegler, superstar. You've got outside backs like Staggs, like your Selwyn Cobbo. And every single one of them loves Renault, like loves him. And I do think that we're beginning to see that he probably didn't get enough appreciation for what he brought off the field at the Rabbitohs. And he's starting to get appreciation at the Broncos. And I do believe, let's say, and it's a long way till we get there. If they win a grand final, we need to rethink who the best seven was in the last X amount of years. And we need to rethink Renault's entire career. Because it goes from premiership to a bunch of prelims to two premierships and a bunch of prelims. Which is up there with some of the best records of a seven in a while. Without a doubt. Especially if, without getting ahead of ourselves, if he manages to beat the Panthers... In a GF, like if he takes down Nathan Cleary in a grand final, that pushes Adam Reynolds into the stratosphere. It changes his whole, like the whole way you look at his career, yep. completely changes in my opinion. And, and, you know, also consider, sorry, Timmy, also yeah. consider he's got a rookie at fullback, he's got a rookie at 5'8, he's got a 5'8 playing hooker, and another hooker that hasn't really played much first. Like his spine's not, it's yeah. not like the Melbourne Storm spine or the Rooster spine. That, that was my point going to be. It's, you look at the blokes we're talking about, the best halves of, recent years, the last decade or so, and you've got Cooper Cronk and Nathan Cleary who did what they did in unbelievable rugby league teams. And that's fine. They play what they've got around them. They've killed it. I'm not stupid. Like, Reynolds had a really good team at the Bunnies. He's got a good team at the Broncos, but nowhere near the levels of what the other two I've just mentioned were playing with and have that success. As you said, it would be... He needs, in terms of legacies and that sort of thing, at his age, at 33 years old, before he retires, an icing on the cake, and that would be a Brisbane Broncos premiership. But to do it with the sides he's done it with, comparatively, and 
Sure, there's been a few come up just short with prelim finals, but prelim finals year after year after year, it's still a pretty bloody good it's effort incredible. consistently. Yeah. But you need to tip it off with a, a cut of the premiership to say, no, 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 like there's big games in there and you can go all the way. Mm. And also keep in mind, like, yeah, like this Broncos team is very good, but when he arrived there, they were they had the wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Like it, they, they proved yeah. that you can have a great roster, but the seven <coughs> is so, so important. Yeah. You're going to talk, many Bit of a stat on Reynolds just – Going back to South a bit. So he was there from 2012 to 2021. Every year that he played 22 or more games, they made the prelim or further. Every year less than that, the furthest they got was week one of the finals. I think if he wins another comp, he, I think it will, it will shape, reshape the way we look at his career. As I said, not, not the top tier of like Cleary, Cronk or whatever, but I do think that, put it this way, by winning a comp at Brisbane, it actually makes his win in 2014 even better because you go, oh, actually he... He was a huge, huge reason why they did that. Um, yeah, so I'm just such a fan of Renault and it's incredible what they're achieving. Um, I thought Billy Walters had some really good moments too. Uh, Jordan Rickey, hasn't he had such a great year? Just getting more mature every single match. There was a couple of moments last year where he scored tries and you know, I, I think sometimes you can see or sometimes I take impressions of guys based on how they celebrate tries and how they react from certain things. And there was a couple of things that annoyed me with Jordan Ricky last year that I just sort of thought, I don't know what sort of a guy, how he fits into this team and everything. But, mate, it's all completely flipped. Mm. It has all completely flipped. He has just become an all-team player. Um, I've been I, – I didn't expect him to be this good, to be honest with you. I, I just I, – I knew he could be good individually. But what's shocked me and I'm so impressed by is exactly what you just said. He's a full-on team player now. Yep. Like, he doesn't go for the glory plays anymore or, you know, it's all about him and he's skipping across Fennin people trying to get extra metres. He does all the tough carries. He finds his front. But also, his kick chase, it's probably the best in the comp for a wide running forward. It is unbelievable. Like, early in the game <laughs> – he is sprinting down there to put pressure on. It, if your four in gets up and gets in the face of the kicker or the catcher, sorry, it takes away. It honestly saves nearly ten meters. It's unbelievable. I've been loving the, the evolution of Billy Walters as number nine this season. And there was a moment there just before half time on the Storm thirty meter line. He went from dummy half. He went short side. He had a few different options. Summed it up. Saw no no winger back in the corner. Fullback caught out of place. Sits it in the back right corner, oh, yeah, repeat set. Yeah. It was just on a dime. Yep. It went, it's a bloke who played a lot of halfback. He's yep. making this transition to number nine. Fire, he's come a long way. Um, another shout I want to give. Um, Kobe Hetherington came on and was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like the, the tough carries he took and the mom momentum that he like picked up, it was, it was phenomenal. And I'm, uh, he's a guy that he, he got an injury this year. So he kind of like, he came onto the scene and it actually, he was playing so well at one period that I actually had him as my starting 13 and Paddy and Hass as my starting front rowers with Flegler coming on. Um, but his impact off the bench was outstanding on the weekend. A lot of premiership teams have players like him. Like he sort of reminds me of sort of the role that um, Ryan Hinchcliffe used to play for the Melbourne Storm mm. back mm. in the day. Just underappreciated but tough as nails and you more so notice when they're not there than when they are there because they leave a bit of a hole. He's mm. been really good for you guys. Mate, 38 minutes, 16 runs, 140 metres, 54 post contact, four tackle breaks, 14 tackles, zero misses. Like you talk about impact. And then you go to this other play, Keenan Palacia, 42 minutes, 17 runs, 153 metres, 60 post contact, 18 tackles. Like, that is great off the bench. And I think Palacia is going to be really, really missed. 
Um, you know, a lot, a lot has talked about Flegler and, you know, there's no denying Flegler is a massive, massive loss next year. But I think Palacia, he is a great signing for the Titans. A really, really good signing. Mate, the other one I was impressed with, and to be completely honest with you, I didn't know why he was in the team six weeks ago, Tyson Smoothie. Mate, he's he improved so when he much. Came on. That first game that he played, I was like, like he did not click at all. I mean, I, I thought he just he needed more time in reserve. Great, he's been outstanding. It's been great um, coming off the bench. So, yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, I, what what is there to say? That was one of the real, one of the better Broncos finals performance. To be honest, like I'm trying to think of a, a at least in recent memory, I, I can't remember a time where, you know, Broncos usually have a tendency in recent memory if, if they did make a finals, it'd be a bit. Messy or whatever. This was a clinical, absolute domination. You've got a Melbourne Storm side with Ryan Pappenhausen, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant, and kept them to zero points. Enough said. Incredible. Incredible. Now, onto the Storm. First of all, seriously, one of the most heartbreaking things that I've seen on a footy field, seeing Pappy go down like that. Just couldn't believe it. It actually dampened the, the victory a little bit for me as a Broncos fan. Like, obviously, I was still really happy that we won, excited, but it just, like, took a bit of the... Um, yeah, the fun out of it, but they, they, they think that he may be back ready for round one. Um, but yeah, we just want to send our best wishes to Ryan Pappenhausen. Super unlucky. It's almost hard to put into words how bad we all felt. Oh. It was, yeah, it was. I couldn't believe how much of an effect it actually had on me. I yeah, was I beside myself. I was genuinely like upset that night. Like yeah, I was borderline about to cry. Fuck. So so. Wasn't it an incredible response from the NRL community? Like, players get injured yeah. all the time. Popular players get injured all the yeah. time. Pappy, I know he'd come off a lengthy layoff, but it was like the NRL community just stopped and were just was sick. Yeah, shows it, the impact of how good a bloke Ryan yeah. Pappenhausen is. Real gentleman of the game, like just such a good guy and an inspiration for young kids. Like, if you want to have a guy that you can show all the incredible stuff, all the highlights, but also the tough stuff and about mm. turning up, about sticking to things and not letting, you know, setbacks stop you from achieving what you want to achieve. Uh, Pappy's your man. Pappy's your man. Um, now, let's get to the Melbourne Storm. I feel – I obviously, I felt the Broncos definitely forced them into certain areas, but what I found, I guess, most striking was how out of sync their spine looked. Like, I think that the, the because they get away with it so much – and they're so good, they're the Melbourne Storm. But it's not enough is said by the fact that they essentially have two fullbacks, six and seven. Obviously, Meany, fullback at fullback. Well, you know, you could argue, is he a fullback, is he a winger? But fullback, then you've got Grant. But they've made it work so well for so long, and it still can work for sure. I'm not. This is not me going, oh, you should have seen that it couldn't work. But I did feel that because they are so unorthodox, when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong because it's such a unique setup that you don't find at any other club. Like Jerome Hughes is not a standard seven. He's a very unique seven. Cameron Munster, not structured at all. But I, do, I did feel watching on the weekend, instead of it going a little bit wrong, it went really wrong because they were so out of sync. What do you boys think? Yeah, it's a good point because, I mean, I always look at the Melbourne Storm and go, geez, three of the spine players can play poorly and it normally doesn't matter. Because <laughs> if one of them I plays that, all yeah, right, I thought that gives a shit, they're fine. Mm. But this game, they were all off. I was, um, yeah, Harry Grant in particular, I thought his service was so unlike He looked Harry tired. Grant. He looked yeah. tired. He, it was, and you like, it wasn't through a lack of effort. You could tell he was trying his heart out. But they just, they, they looked like a team that had been thrown together that week and were introducing themselves to yeah. each other. I, I couldn't believe how off the mark they were. Mm. And, and that's it, Camby, you mentioned that 
they're pretty unorthodox plays in each position compared to what we traditionally see in you know five eights halfbacks. There's so much star power that, there that they get away with it and it's fine. But when it goes wrong, it can go horribly wrong. They're all ball runners. Yeah, they're like Munster and Hughes. Sure, they have decent ball playing in them, but first and foremost, and Harry Green as well, they're ball running plays, and that is their strength. Mm. So when it doesn't go right, it can look clunky, it can go badly. You know, they were dominating the middle, so they're relying on trying to get a bit of second phase or something. It was like the opportunities were so minimal. And when you dominate in the middle, your running game, you're on the back foot. Yeah. So you need ball playing to create space for you on the edges. And they, they've got ball playing, obviously. We're talking about the tippity-top here. But they're first and foremost, their entire spine, including Meany, are ball runners. And I think that on the weekend we really saw it. Now, I don't know whether that was because of a crazy good game plan that Kevy Walters was able to put together that put them off. But they just, honestly, they look so... It wasn't a lack of trying. It wasn't a lack of effort. They just look super, super out of sync, like crazy out of sync. I think Harry Grant looks super tired. I think he's had such a massive, you know, last couple of years. You know, you've got the Origin, you've got the World Cup, you're in the middle. And he's a unique nine because he's so explosive and he relies so heavily on the physicality of the game that he definitely looked like a guy that just didn't have that same, I guess, energy he usually does bring in games. And it wasn't from a lack of trying. He just looked super tired. And, I mean, he has had a huge two years from finals to Origin Series. Um, you know, you, you then got to throw in the World Cup. Like, as much as he has sort of job shared in all those rep games, like, he plays 80 minutes the vast majority of games for Melbourne. What, what, what do his numbers yeah. look like over the last few weeks? So he played... 22 NRL games this season. The only game he missed in round... No, no. He missed two games for the Storm. One was in round 16 when he was on origin duty and then he was rested in round 27. He averaged 76 minutes as a number nine on top of origin, on top of, as you said, Guru, the World Cup end of last year. I think the Storm really missed a beat roster-wise this season in not having an out-and-out backup nine for mm. Harry Grant, knowing that he's obviously going to be unavailable through the origin period. And they had a few stopgap options to come in and help out. But because they were sitting, you know, for a period there, fighting for a top eight spot, as the season went on, they were fighting for a top four spot in that second chance in finals. They weren't coasting in top two where they go, sweet, we can rest Munster here and rest Harry there. Because they didn't have a gun hooker to come in for him, he played everything in big, big minutes because they needed him to. So... I think they need to go to market. I don't know if they've got anyone coming next year, but just someone who can come in and deputise for him. You know, someone like what Jake Turpin was able to do at the Roosters. Mm. And they don't have to be a superstar, but they can go, Harry, week off. You come in, play 80 minutes. Like go go to Sharks, get that Q Cup, yeah, hook barrel, a barrel. barrel a big the Broncos game, got yeah. about 15 hookers. Yeah. Go I, one and, of them. And I think, I think the Storm... Now, maybe this is just a coincidence, but I think they kind of admitted that because towards the end of the year, what were they doing? They weren't starting Harry Grant. They were starting Garlic. And so maybe they'd identified like, oh, shit. And so although the Storm are still the best sporting franchise we've seen in a quite a long time, I do think that their handling of Harry Grant this year, they have made an, a mistake. There are a number of guys around the league that I like, even up at the Titans, you've got Chrissy Randall up there. He'd be a good fit. Just imagine if they would have made the play start of the year for like a Phoenix Crossell. Oh, the goat. Like there's, a, there's a lot of nines around that they could go and get, even from South, like uh, um, Havili, if they were to take him. Yeah. Plenty around. Cause even like at the Raiders, we're lacking a, a gun number nine, but 
Now we had Levi, Wolford, yeah. Tommy Starling, all these ones. That's who, all you need. All of these ones who could have been a tremendous backup yeah. for Harry. You've got year. three great job share hookers. Yeah. 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 And that's why like, I'm so strong on, I just don't know in the modern era whether you need to have a bloke playing 80 minutes in the middle there. I just mm. don't know whether it's good for you long term. And Harry Grant, a perfect example of this, like just so fatigued right now. Just so fatigued. And I get it, he's a unique situation because he's so physical. But I just think in the modern era, you need a rotation of nines. I, unless your name's Cameron Smith, I just don't know whether you're going to have the, the skill set and the, the game now to be able to kind of, you know, identify when to rest, identify when to go hard. And so I, I think that going forward, that just exactly what you said, Timmy, Harry Grant's clearly a long-term player for them. So you need to recruit for that. You need to recruit specifically for the fact that Harry Grant's your main guy. He's a marquee signing. He's a marquee player. So you need to recruit someone that gets the best out of him, which means that you know he plays maybe 50 minutes a game. And they had that with the cheese, ironically. Yeah, you know he's going to play three games of origin every year for the next 10 years. Yeah, so you need to make sure that you can... I mean, like, you could even look at Reed at the dogs. Like, he fell off a cliff. And I know a lot of... Um, you know, Doggies fans are, I guess, not happy with his season. But I'd argue a lot to do with it was just playing these crazy long minutes. Yeah. They just It just fatigues them in today's game anyway. They're too big and explosive. The game is so fast through the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a key recruit next year. For I sure. caught uh, in the Host Plus Cup a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Falcons were playing the first week of finals and Wishart played hooker. <laughs> I think it's one of the most... Dominant games I've seen by a player this year. He absolutely killed, killed it. it. He had two line breaks, three line break assists, two try assists. Uh, kicked all of his goals. I think he's got a try in that too. So, um, they, they've got. I, I think they came into this season thinking they had Wishy and Bronson Garlic was the other one. Mm. And Bronson's played a bit of hooker in reserve grade over the last few years when he was at Canterbury. I don't think he's a nine personally. I, I think he's more of a back rower. So he I wonder came through if, as a back rower most of the time. He, yeah. He's always been a back yeah. rower. I don't know why he plays hooker. I think that was because Canterbury had no other options and yeah. he's just handy at it. But he's not a first grade hooker. Um, he's a good back rower, a good guy to bring off your bench. Mm. But Jaden Nicarima was the other one. Mm. I think that they potentially thought, but that hasn't quite played out either. But I, I agree. I, I think it's a good shout by Timmy. Go to market, find someone. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, they could find a bunch of nines that would love to play at the Storm. Like, they still are the Melbourne yeah. Storm. They still have that weight heading into a, a market transfer. And you uh, could even go for, like, the Mitch Kenny approach. Just pass and make yeah. your tackles for the first 25. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I swear, like, I reckon a Chris Randall would be unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that this match showed what we've been talking about for maybe 24 months now. This forward pack needs needs recruitment pretty desperately, pretty desperately. I think that, once again, I think the Storm probably made a – look, maybe it's growing pains and they let go of all those, you know, experienced players at once because they're trying to build for the future. So there's – look, not there's not probably a plan. There's definitely a plan. But I do think that they probably – this probably didn't happen the way they hoped it would in losing – both Bromwich brothers and Kofusi all at once and Dale Finucane and Tino the year before. Um, I think they, they need to go into the market desperately for, a, for a quite a, like not quite a few, but. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Three positions in a, in a good world? Three yeah. positions. Well, look, even Nass. We mentioned how big a game on last week's podcast this was going to be for him because he needed to step up. Someone needed to step up to this Broncos pack. As we said, like, his numbers weren't enormous, but I thought he had some really good runs. Like, he was bending the line at a time when the Storm needed something desperately. He only played 43 minutes. Mm. Like, yeah. when he's your go-to middle, it's not saying he can't play more. I'm just I'm a bit surprised he didn't play more, maybe because of how ruthless the Broncos were. Maybe Bellyache was just like, you know what, this game's gone. Maybe. Let's not – like, why keep Nass on there to gas him when we yeah, need get that? Get him right for next yeah, week. Yeah, probably. Maybe that. Um, yeah, so, look, just – just completely outplayed, to be honest, and and not not only from a, a playing perspective, like they they didn't play as well as they could have, but also I just think from a roster perspective, if you ever you know you speak about it all the time, Timmy, we speak about it all the time, but you can't do anything if your forward pack's not mm. killing it. And uh, I think Broncos really proved on the weekend that it all starts in the middle. It all starts in the middle. One of my all-time gripes, Campion. I'm going to keep going on about it. Time and place for short dropouts. Yeah. They took one when they the Broncos, I think it was Pappy kicking it, and the Storm were up, sorry, Broncos were up 6-0, take a short drop out, doesn't make the distance, two points from in front, 8-0, two-try deficit. Like, time and place, people. And it just, you know, it's the worst thing you could have given the Broncos because what, what does it do? It takes the scoreboard panic away from the Broncos, oh, and that's something that you, you want the Broncos to get ahead of themselves yeah. and start throwing the crazy balls. You don't want them to go, you know what, we'll just settle back and get into a grind because that's when they can score points. Yeah. I, it does my head in. I imagine there was more to it that we probably don't see, but just I thought it was interesting when Pappy came on in the first half, didn't come back out in the second half. Mm. Start of the game. I, what, what I, I'm there? thinking from memory, was there a HIA? And he came on. I, I'm pretty sure he came on for a HIA. Yeah. Oh, it was a HIA. Yeah, it was yeah. HIA. Right. Was um, it uh, might have been Young T. I think Young T. See, went I thought he was HIA. doing good. I would have kept him on there. I would have kept him I on I would have started yeah. him, if I'm being honest. I, I said that from the get-go. Yeah. I know he hasn't played much footy. But I just think he offers – he's just dangerous. Mm. Every time he gets the ball, it's danger. Um, Meany has been their most consistent player all year. There's no denying that. But I just think that I'd rather stick Meany in the centres or something and have Pappy that back there for 80 minutes or for as many minutes as you can get because but, he just creates options. And like if I'm Brisbane, I run down there at halftime and I see him not there, I go, how good is this? Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. And he was, he was dangerous around the yep. ruck. Like he was absolutely dangerous. So, um, yeah, so – Incredible win by the Brizzy Broncos. It's all about not getting ahead of themselves now, using the time off correctly. And for the Melbourne Storm, it's about, to be honest, it's about saving pride. You know, you don't want to get beaten 26-0 and then get absolutely bounced out the next week after that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.